Welcome to episode 18 of Beyond the Desk, a podcast of West Dallas Public Library. I'm Sarah, and Desiree and Beth P. are with me today to talk about what we've been reading and what we're excited to read next. If you're in the mood for a summer read, narrative nonfiction book, mystery, or thriller, we have some great suggestions for you. I'm Sarah, and I'm with Desiree and Beth. Thank you both for joining me today to talk about what you're reading. Beth, you're a new voice on the podcast, so maybe you can tell us a little bit about your role here at the library. Yeah, so I'm a summer intern at the West Dallas Public Library. I'm getting my master's in library science, which means I will be able to be a librarian very soon at the end of the year. And I am mostly doing programming at the library, as well as some collection development and working with patrons as well. Great. Well, we're happy to have you here for the summer. Thank you. I thought maybe I would start out by talking about some summer reads that I've been reading. I just felt like, I don't know, we're in the middle of summer right now, and I kind of wanted some books that were of the season. I had started reading something that was, to me, more of a fall or winter read, and I just thought, like, I can't read this now. <laughs> I have to read something <laughs> that's of this season. So one of the books that I recently read that Lisa here at the library also highly recommended was called Early Morning Riser by Katherine Heine. It's set in a small town, so all of the books that I'm talking about in terms of the summer reads are set in small towns. This one is a small town in Michigan, And it's really a beautiful story about the connections between the people in a small town. And of course, it can be nice to be in a small town where everyone knows each other, but then there are drawbacks to being in a small town where everyone knows each other. So some of the relationships are a little complicated. Jane is the protagonist of the story, and she's interested in this man, Duncan, who it turns out has had a lot of girlfriends in the town before her. So she's in the beginning of the story, she's new to town and starts dating Duncan. And she is finding out that all these other women have been (laughs) dating him. And then he also has uh, an ex-wife named Aggie, and they have a kind of odd relationship. Like, Aggie is married um, herself. She remarried. And her current husband does not cut the grass. Duncan cuts the grass for them. Mm. And so there's this this kind of funny relationship there. And Jane is comparing herself to Aggie. She's always saying how Aggie looks like this beautiful milkmaid, you know, gorgeous skin and everything. And so um, that's kind of part of the story too. So there's a little bit of friction there. But what I really liked about the story is the jacket copy doesn't really tell you that much is kind of even as I'm describing it it's sounding like a kind of romantic comedy or something like that but it really is a book just about relationships between people it's not just romantic relationships and I think what is delightful about this book is that it unfolds in a surprising way so I really didn't know 
what to expect. Like as I was reading it, I was kind of thinking that the Jack copy kind of gives you this idea that, you know, Jane's the new girl in town, she meets this boy, and then a tragedy occurs. So mm. I was thinking of it being as, you know, like the dive from Clausen's pier, like something tragic happens to him and changes their relationship. And so I was kind of waiting for something like that. And I don't want to spoil what happened, so I won't say what the tragedy is, but it's just, it was not what I expected at all. And I think it's really hard to, these days, have a movie or book that surprises you like this, because we have these kind of genres where um, the conventions of the genre, you kind of have these expectations and stories don't always surprise you but this one was really good and I would call this one a feel-good story too so if you're kind of in the mood for something that will make you feel good about your fellow humans <laughs> this is a good one to read um, and similarly I'm listening to a story called Cafe by the Sea by Jenny Colgan and that was recommended to me by a friend and she specifically said to listen to the audiobook and I get it because it takes place in a small town in Scotland and the narrator is Sarah Barron. She's a Scottish voiceover artist and actor and it's really nice to listen to because she has the accent and it's just very charming. It also is this uber feel-good story about Flora. She's a paralegal who's living in London but she returns to her hometown in Scotland because the lawyers that she works for, they actually have a client who is now living on that island, and he has some business, and so she has to, because she's from that town, they think that you know she would be an asset to be there. And he's not getting along with the locals, and he's trying to do some new stuff there, and so she kind of smooths things over. Meanwhile, she has these brothers. So her mom died a few years ago and they're still kind of reeling from her death. She was very close to her mom, but she really hasn't been back too much. She's kind of started her own life. So now she's back with her family and her brothers. They have a family farm and her brother doesn't really enjoy working on the farm, but it turns out that he has this hobby of cheese making and he's really good. So then that comes into play. They have this little pop-up restaurant with the wealthy client who is living part-time on the island. And I won't say too much more, but it's just really, again, a charming book. I agree that it, you know if you can listen to it, it's worth listening to. I'm li listening to it on Libby, and it's a nice summer read. Is there a love interest? There are actually a couple of love interests. Ooh. So Flora really likes her boss, Joel, and she's had a crush on him for a long time. And he comes to the island. He's the lawyer who's working with Colton, their client. And so she is interested in him. And I think the more he stays on the island, the more he sees her in a different light because he's seeing her in her hometown. And she's described as kind of like a mermaid or, you know, she has this look of the island. Mm. 
But then it's complicated because Flora meets somebody on the island who's been living there who is another love interest. And you kind of get the sense that they might be really good for each other. Like, Joel isn't the nicest person. He's um, kind of a cutthroat lawyer. And I do think that the more time he spends on the island, it's really changing him. But how long will that last? It's hard to say. So you don't quite know exactly who she's going to end up with, although I I kind of have a suspicion. I read another book that I wouldn't call it a feel-good book per se, but definitely is a good summer read. It's Maine by Courtney Sullivan, and it's about these three generations of Irish-American women from Massachusetts, and they vacation at a cabin in Maine. It's told from four different points of view, which is really key because then even though these women don't always get along, you really get to empathize with each of them and understand where they're coming from. And they all have secrets. So Alice is the matriarch, uh, and she wants to donate the cabin to the local church. And she is kind of pals with the young priest and has gotten him to do some work around the cabin for her. And she lied to him and told him that the family approves of gifting the cabin and in fact she hasn't told anybody (laughs) and so that comes into play later and the granddaughter is Maggie Alice's granddaughter and she lives in New York City and she has this horrible boyfriend she just found out that she's pregnant and he was supposed to come to the cabin for a week with her to stay with her and her mom. So there's actually the original cabin and then they built a second building on the land. So Alice is currently in the newer building and then the the cabin is where Maggie and her mom, Kathleen, are supposed to stay. And Maggie's boyfriend was supposed to come but they got into this huge fight before they were gonna leave and they broke up. And, and she's pregnant. And she's with his pregnant. Child. Mm-hmm. Oh. And and then her mom Kathleen is going to be there too. And she's kind of the black sheep of the family. She's the oldest. The, uh, Alice has three children, and Kathleen is the oldest. And I don't think she's a bad character, but she just doesn't kind of mesh with the other family members so much. They kind of mock her. She and her partner have a worm farm (laughs) um, in California. They're kind of like hippies. And she has saved up a lot of money to kind of take the worm farm to the next level. And her family just kind of thinks that the whole worm farm is weird and um, they don't quite understand it um, or, I think, appreciate her. And then Anne-Marie is the final voice in the novel. She is actually the daughter-in-law of Alice, the sister-in-law of Kathleen, and her secret is that she has a crush on her neighbor. (laughs) So Anne-Marie is married to Kathleen's brother. She has been looking forward to when she and her husband are going to stay with the neighbor and his wife in the cabin. It's like picking out her outfits and everything. (laughs) And kind of unrelatedly, she has this dollhouse obsession, which is kind of quirky and interesting. It's decorating a dollhouse, and she's going to enter this competition. But if you like stories from a female perspective, you get the four different stories. 
And even though the women are all very different, it ends kind of in a good place. And I think it's, like I said, a quintessential summer read if that's something you're looking for. Are the chapters structured so that the different perspectives come through? Is one from one character? Okay. Yeah, it alternates um, chapter by chapter. So it starts out, I think it starts out with Alice, and then it just kind of moves on. Each chapter is told from one of their perspectives. I really like books like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's a good one. And it actually, I think it came out in like 2012 or something like that, and I finally got around to reading it. (laughs) (laughs) No shame in that. I read a lot of nonfiction and memoir. The books that I read recently, one of them was The 57 Bus by Daksha Schlater. It's about an agender teen, so a teenager who doesn't have a gender. They have their skirt lit on fire on a bus in Oakland, California by another teenager. It's based on a true story. Slater is a journalist. The event actually happened in 2013. The book is interesting to me because I don't read books that don't have a narrative tone to them. So it actually includes dialogue, which isn't something that people consider when they're considering nonfiction books. It actually reminds me of a book I read in, I think, 2020, Evicted, Poverty and Profit in the American City by Matthew Desmond, and that was a book that was written about Milwaukee. Mm. He had also done a really good job talking to people and interviewing, so I think the interviewing really comes through in both of those books because they actually went in and talked to people, It looked at interviews, when the teenager who had lit the skirt on fire, when he went in and talked to the police, Slater had listened to the interviews mm. and used that material as well. And there were some community meetings to in the book, looking at what had happened, how things really evolved after the incident, because the book is structured as having a before and an after. So after the incident happened on the bus, what happened, how did the community react, and how did it affect both of these teenagers Mm -hmm. as well. So that's really what the book is about. It was most interesting because it actually is weaving together race, socioeconomics, because the two teens went to different schools, and the teen who had lit the skirt on fire is black, the agender teen is white, and comes from a more affluent community, and attends, I believe it was a private school as well, and then it has to do with gender identity, of course, Mm -hmm. as well. Was the bus a school bus, or a public bus? It was a public bus. Okay. Yeah, so both of the teenagers took the public bus, and the book is classified as young adult, so I think... It's targeted at teens because they are teens. Mm -hmm. However, it's been classified in West Ellis, at least, as adult nonfiction because the topic is something that I think everybody could potentially be interested in. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes books are classified because they're about teens and teens can relate to them. I was curious because you said that it uses dialogue. Is it told chronologically or does it kind of go back and forth in time? It's chronological, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like you're there in the moment versus, yeah, versus, okay, and then they had this community meeting. Mm -hmm. It kind of, yeah, it does follow the the events. So it has scenes, really, with dialogue. Yep, it has scenes. And then as the characters are being introduced to us in the beginning, it goes through and it says... This character has never thought of themselves as male or female, and this is why, and this is how this character acts, and then this is how the other characters act. 
and so you kind of start to identify with the characters and why they might feel that way or act that way. Mm-hmm. How did you hear about this book? I heard about it in my young adult literature class. Okay. Yeah, in, mm, cool. in library school. Great. It had been on my list for a bit and read it recently, and I think it was a really good one. That sounds interesting. <laughs> adults also talk all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My second book is one that a lot of people have heard of the author, Malcolm Gladwell. Mm-hmm. His most recent book is The Bomber Mafia, A Dream, A Temptation, and The Longest Night of the Second World War. I don't consider myself as somebody who's really interested in war history, World War II. However, I really like Gladwell's writing because I think he gets to know who the characters are or the people are. Mm -hmm. And he explores topics that I haven't thought about before in an interesting way because his books are so character driven. And he'll look at characters or people who might have changed the way we think about things. And he himself is changing the way I think about things. And he narrates. So I listened to the audiobook version of that book. I actually picked up the physical book and didn't get around to reading it. And then I read it while I was driving. Mm-hmm. He narrates his books. I like it when authors do that. I think some authors aren't able to do that just based on who they are as a person. Or maybe they don't think they can do the book justice especially if it's a fictional book. Mm-hmm. But the book goes over the history of precision bombing during World War II, and the main question the book is seeking to answer is, if bombings are more targeted, does this avoid death, and does it make war less lethal? Mm. So that's one of the arguments in the book. Mm. And it does go into these really sort of quirky people in history, some people in Europe, some people in the U.S. So it's all these different places that these people came from, and how did we get to that point where our bombings became more targeted? I think the most important thing in the book was the people and the philosophy behind it versus this is how it came to be. The people were interesting to me. It also includes audio of planes, so it keeps you engaged in that way as well. <laughs> like I'm there. In the yes, <laughs> I like it when that's included. Yeah. In audiobooks, sure. yeah. I think there aren't a lot of opportunities, but that one sounds like there definitely was that opportunity. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I know Malcolm Gladwell is very popular, but if people haven't read a lot of his, yeah. I just, sorry, I just like realized he wrote like the tipping points. Okay. Out- <laughs> I was like trying to place yeah, him. Outliers is another one. I think those are two of the most popular ones. Right. So I was going to ask if people haven't really read his books. Are there any ones in particular besides this one that you're telling us about that you would suggest that people read if they haven't read anything by Gladwell? Yeah, I think Outliers was one that I really enjoyed. I think, yeah, to be point as well. They're popular for a reason, but really all of his books are pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. Desiree, what have you been reading? Well, so I have been really struggling as of late to get into things, and I was kind of getting frustrated because I knew that we were going to be talking about what we've been reading lately, and I just through a lot of like, did not finish. Mm-hmm. But I started reading, well, listening to the audiobook of An Anonymous Girl by Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekkanen. And that one actually hooked me. It's about a young woman named Jess who works as a makeup artist in New York City. And one day during one of her makeup sessions with a client, she overhears a phone call about a psychological study taking place at, I believe, NYU 
that pays participants a lot of money, like $500. And Jess needs money because she helps care for her younger sister, Becky, who had an accident when they were kids and has critical brain damage. And so Becky lives at home with Jess's parents but Jess has been helping to pay for these like expensive therapy sessions with a specialist. Mm-hmm. And Jess's parents think they're paying like on a sliding scale, but Jess is secretly like paying the difference. Oh, okay. <laughs> so she has this kind of big responsibility she's taken on and she's like in her 20s. And so she goes to the study at NYU and it's basically just a series of questions presented on a laptop in an empty lecture hall. And each question relates to personal ethics. And then after she completes the study, she's surprised to be contacted by the professor running it, uh, Dr. Lydia Shields. And Dr. Shields wants Jess to continue the study by engaging in real life scenarios and being paid Hmm. quite a lot to do so. Initially, Jess's assignments are really simple. She actually meets with Dr. Shields for a few therapy sessions, which she's being paid to do, as opposed to the classic you pay to get therapy. And then she ends up like running an errand for Dr. Shields. But one evening, Dr. Shields sends a car for Jess, and Jess is taken to a hotel bar, where she is instructed via text to approach a married man and flirt with him. And then the assignments continue to escalate from there. But Jess is desperate for money, especially because now her father has lost his job and (laughs) her family's entire financial future is uncertain. Mm. So the more work Jess does for Dr. Shields, the more questions she has about Dr. Shields herself and what are her true motivations with these assignments that she's being sent on. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed the voice actors. is told from two perspectives, Lydia's and Jessica's. And Dr. Shields, Lydia, her part was written in a way I've never read or heard before. For example, she was like, the pot is boiled and the peppermint tea is selected. So it's like oh, passive, passive voice, passive yeah. present. It was very strange, but like it um characters using passive voice. Yes, it really like brought Lydia to life. It really fit with her. I was really engaged with that, like mm-hmm. and then Jessica, that actor, was also very good. I thought the plot was really well paced, but I did find myself waiting for this big twist Mm -hmm. that I had read about online. Not what the twist was, obviously, but I found this book listed in, it was a list of like top 10 thrillers with a twist you won't see coming. And the article actually described this as being bananas. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and so I'm waiting for this twist and I finished the book and I'm not sure what they were referring to. The book was not bananas. Well, I mean, I didn't (laughs) think so. Like, it's not that there weren't interesting revelations, Uh, but uh, like there was no big gasp moment. uh And so I'm waiting to see the audiobook, like, there's two minutes left, like, when's it coming? (laughs) And then it's just like, oh, well, I, I wonder what that twist that they were referring to was. Like, to them, what was the moment? But it was still interesting, and I enjoyed it, and I listened to it very quickly. I would suggest that if you're looking for something kind of fast-paced and mm-hmm. 
character driven and you know an interesting voice oh i also liked how dr shield talks about a couple of different like psychological studies references like historical studies mm-hmm. so that was like an interesting little tidbit and then a read alike to this is behind her eyes by sarah pinborough which i actually haven't read in its entirety it was also made into a netflix show and i watched i think the first three episodes before getting distracted by something else so i haven't read it all or watched it all but enough that like i kind of know what it's about so louise works as a secretary at a therapist's office and one night she meets a guy named david at a bar and they have this like great connection and i think they like kiss at the end of the night but then he kind of like leaves abruptly and is like i'm sorry i can't and louise figures he was like probably married or something but she goes into work and she's horrified to find out that the man is her new boss oh no (laughs) so he's the new therapist and she's his secretary and to complicate matters he has this beautiful wife named adele who wants to be friends with louise and louise finds herself drawn to both adele and david and so she actually embarks on this secret affair with david but at the same time has this secret friendship with adele and it's like they have this adele and david have this like kind of weird tense toxic relationship this is another one where it's supposed to be like this big twist and uh, i haven't gotten there yet so huh and it's funny because i was watching the show and eve hewson is the actress that plays adele and she is bono's daughter mm-hmm. bono from u2 mm-hmm. and i was obsessed with u2 when i was younger and so, like, I'm kind of obsessed with Eve Hewson. And so I was like, oh, she is so beautiful. And she's Adele, and it's so interesting. And so I was watching the show, and then I was, like, reading stuff about it online. And there was an article, and it was like, is behind her eyes gaslighting us? Because apparently there's the twist is just, like, really bananas, <laughs> for lack of a better word. So I'm excited to find out what it is. Hopefully it will deliver in a way that an anonymous girl did not. So do you, I know you like psychological thrillers. Do you read a lot of books with a twist ending or a twist in them? I try to seek them out. Yeah. So, for example, The Silent Patient. That was one where it was like, I thought that was a really good twist and it was like very unique to me. I hadn't encountered that kind of thing before. But like you were saying, books tend to follow formulas Mm -hmm. and certain genres especially. So sometimes it's hard to find a good twist, but... Yeah, sometimes you expect what is what's coming or yeah, <laughs> or it's not as big of a revelation as maybe other people thought it was, but I do have a list of other thrillers that I've read and enjoyed that were written by women featuring female protagonists. That's what I look for in a psychological thriller generally. Mm-hmm. And so there's the classic The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins, but I did want to mention it because I do think it is very good and was written back in 2015 a couple years after Gone Girl so I feel like it was one of those earlier Mm -hmm. ones. There's also an author Jennifer Hillier. I've listened to a lot of her audiobooks. There's one called Little Secrets that came out in 2020 about a mom whose son goes missing from the Pike Place Market. There's footage of someone like taking him away so it's like they know that he's been abducted and then the story follows them searching for him and like what her life is like after that. There are a lot of stories of missing children and sometimes you don't know if they were taken or what happened to them. 
Right, but in this one you know that he was yeah. taken, and it makes it interesting because it's like he's... I think the person was dressed as a clown, actually. Oh, no. But the way he goes with them, it's like, well, did he know this person? There's a uh -huh. suspicion that it wasn't a stranger. I also listened to a Lisa Jewell book, Then She Was Gone. One of the characters is Irish, and the actor does a really nice lilting Irish accent. And it's funny because the character is, like, really disturbed and says these really disturbing things, but in this beautiful accent. <laughs> that was exciting to listen to. So it's the Lisa Jewell book set in the U.S., but there's an Irish character. It's actually set in, I think, England. Okay. It's about a mother whose daughter went missing, and so the mother's British, and then she's dating this guy who has lived all over, So, but kind of has like an American accent. Mm -hmm. And then there's this Irish woman. I think it's just the one voice actor, and she does a really good job with all the different accents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I have been reading some mysteries. Elizabeth and I talked about the Wyndham and Banerjee mysteries mm -hmm. in episode four, and that was before the fifth book came out. So I read the fifth one. It's The Shadows of Men by Abir Mukherjee, and the series is set in 1920s India. Most of the books, like the primary location is Calcutta, but the secondary location in this one is Bombay. And Surin Banerjee is in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he becomes under suspicion of murder. So... He's the sergeant. And what's interesting about this one is that we get Surin's perspective. So it switches back and forth now between Captain Wyndham and Sergeant Banerjee. Yeah. And so if you want to know more about the series, I'd suggest checking out episode four of Beyond the Dusk. And if you liked the series, the fifth one is a good continuation of it. And I also was interested in a new series. The first book is The Bangalore Detectives Club by Harini Nagendra. That one just came out this year. And what is interesting about this is it also takes place in 1920s India. It's in Bangalore, but it's told from the female perspective. And she's an amateur sleuth, so it's a little different that way too. She's a young wife. I believe she's 19 when the story starts. And she's married to a doctor. They had an arrangement marriage. Unlike a lot of the other young women in Bangalore who are married off, the woman who's at the center of this story is able to continue her studies and she's very interested in going to study math at the college level. So she's secretly studying for this. Her husband is very progressive, so I don't think that he would have a problem with her going to college. But her mother-in-law, and I think her mother too, they have ideas of what women are expected to do and you don't go on and study. But she has this problem-solving mind, so not only does she solve math problems, she and her husband are at this party where a murder occurs, and a couple of the people that they know are involved and one of them is a suspect who disappears and then his wife is later attacked and in a coma in addition to this other character being murdered and the young woman starts kind of sleuthing 
and she impresses the police detective, so he lets her help with the case. She ends up finding the murder weapon, which is kind of interesting, because at first they didn't have the murder weapon. And I haven't quite finished it, I'm almost to the end, but I just really enjoyed the setting, and I like getting the female perspective, it's just a little bit different from the Wyndham and Banerjee books, even though they are set in the same time. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. So I think if you like the Wyndham and Banerjee mysteries, you'd like the Bangalore Detectives Club as well. What are you guys looking forward to? Do you have anything on your TBR piles? So I've actually been rewatching Supernatural, and there are some novels set in the world, so mm-hmm. I checked one of those out because I want to see if I like the novels as well, and then I can expand on that. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Beth? Well, I always have a lot of young adults, and I've been reading more children's books because mm-hmm. I worked in a school library. So one is Angie Thomas's newer books, uh, Concrete Rose, but also I never read On the Come Up as well, so those are two that are on my radar. Concrete Rose is actually before The Hate You Give, okay, which is a book I read last year, so I'm excited to read her other stories. Great. As far as what I'm interested in reading, I have a long list, of course, but I found out that Ruth Ozeki got the Women's Prize for Fiction for the Book of Form and Emptiness, and that one sounds interesting. I haven't read anything by her before. The book is about a teen who hears the voices of things around him, and he kind of gets really the emotional tenor of things, and his mother becomes a hoarder, and so then he's hearing all of these voices around him, so he escapes to the library, and that's kind of the basic plot of that. Sounds pretty interesting to me. I have had on my list Dead Dead Girls by Nikiza Afia. It's a Harlem Renaissance mystery. So it also takes place in the 20s, but in Harlem. And it's about a young black woman who investigates a series of murders of women like her. And the second book is already out, and I heard good things about that series. I think our copy has been checked out for a while, so I haven't gotten it yet, but Always a difficult thing. Yes. (laughs) Books that remain on your list for a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of mine is that I want to read is Crying in H Mart, which Mm -hmm. is the nonfiction October book club. Mm -hmm. So I will come back for that one. (laughs) That would be great. Well, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Desk with Sarah, Desiree, and Beth P. We hope you enjoyed our conversation and reading recommendations. You can find the book titles we discussed in the show notes. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review. Be sure to join us next month for a discussion of the novel Olga Dies Dreaming. That's all for this episode. See you next time.